Hi, I'm Faith. And I'm Corey. And whether it's a book, podcast, or a TV show, we'll stick with you to the better end. question for you okay what's your question if you were involved mysteriously or not so mysteriously in a worldwide um catastrophe where for for one reason or another like uh, one reason or a number (laughs) one one reason reason or a number which number is guilty Which which number is the guilty number? Because forty two is the answer to life and everything, but which number is the bad number? No no no, we've we've stumbled upon a good question here. Which number? If a number is responsible for a worldwide catastrophe, which number would it be? Six. You know the obvious answer. Six. Yes. Just the one. No, but but you only asked for the one, and so I I gave you the one that would cause num- the most Whoa, trouble. whoa, 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 whoa. Are you counting only, like, zero to nine are numbers? Oh. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, no matter how, how many digits in the number, all the numbers are numbers. Okay, I have a, Corey, I have a new answer. Uh, yeah? Corey, Corey, my name, my answer is 666. Yeah. That's my answer. Uh, the number that our college was scared of putting on a mailbox? Yeah, fun fact. If you are a small Christian university called Toko Falls College, and you went straight from 665 to 667... Um, you that would make more sense. That would make more sense than what they did. <laughs> what? You know that's not how they handled it, right? What? So that would make sense if you just skipped it. You went six sixty five to six sixty seven. Yeah. That that I can understand. That's not what they did. <laughs> Corey, I they have for two four years. Listen, what did they do? I, listen, I have photographs. I'll have I, I always keep the receipts, remember? They have two six sixty fives. No, so you have yes they do it's ridiculous but that's 100 percent what they do i have pictures of it ask other people we went to school with at taco falls college because that's 100 percent what they did it it is what they did that's not a solution that's a problem isn't it because they're all student mailboxes so that means two people on campus had the same mailbox number and you just have to know because they weren't 266 they weren't 265 A and B. They were both just labeled 265, and one was above the other. I hate it. Corey, I hate it. I have so many questions. Did they just have to become friends so they could exchange mail? Do they have to be like, Mom, maybe half of your letters will get to me. Maybe not. Don't send anything valuable. I don't like the other guy. (laughs) Because, you know, by doing that, I really feel like they gave... 
the bad number. We'll just call it that. The, the Voldemort <laughs> number. I really think they gave it more power in doing that than just having the number for a mailbox. Because then, yes, you've created this situation where, where the mail system is not reliable no. in this, like, section. I hate that they did that. Do you know yes, what? Yes, it has forever stood out to me. They installed the correct number of mailboxes, and they started putting all the numbers on. And they were like, "I did, I did six sixty-five. Um, time for six sixty-six. And they were like, "No, no, no." And yeah. he was like, "Well, <laughs> I could just keep going and just put six sixty-seven right next to it." And they were like, "But you've already put sixty six sixty-seven down." And he was like, I suppose that has to be uh, the solution, but that's like, so lazy for them. Yeah, but in that case, you should scrape off all the ones after it and number them. If you're going to be like, we're not going to have a or six, leave it blank. six other leave number. A, leave a happy, leave empty it, little mailbox. Right. There is no floor Give it a 13. random number. Give it a letter. You can have 665 and Z and then 667. Oh, that's fine. I, I hate Like that the numbers. Though. You can't. You can't just come up with a bad solution and call it better. That It's still better than the real solution they came up with, which was not a solution. And it has... I, I graduated in 2018, and I'm still mad. Corey, I And just, I have so many questions. I just questions. went there for four years, and I just feel like I should know about this. Uh, yes. Uh, you know what I'll do? Because the campus is open to the public again, I will drive onto campus... And I will take a picture of those mailboxes. Now, it's possible that they changed it, but somewhere in the recesses of my computer, I do have a photograph of those because I noticed it and I said, this is the worst possible way you could have solved this because you solved your like, we don't want to use the bad number by creating a a mail center conundrum. Yeah, by ruining all mail staff's lives and all the students that have that number's lives. Yes. Yes. Oh, I remember as soon as I noticed it that I was like, this is, this was not the way. This was, there were so many better ways. Because you know what the purpose of the mailbox number serves? It's to identify whose mailbox is whose. And do you know what purpose you don't serve by giving two mailboxes the same number? Uh, The one purpose that the mailbox numbers have. That's the purpose you don't serve. I have an alternative solution. Yes. They keep those two numbers, but then someone just gets an extra large mailbox because they take a jigsaw and they slice it off. <laughs> they they slice cut a, a the door level and out. you get an extra large mailbox and, I don't know, President Bob gets the big one. Sure, but then maybe he doesn't want the cursed mailbox that was supposed to have the bad number. <laughs> Half of his mail still goes missing. <laughs> yeah, it just has like where where the bad number mailbox should be. There's oh, just a man. void. I'm just thinking of all the possible hauntings that are going to happen with this half mailbox. Like someone yeah. is someone is like hearing whispers from behind the mailbox. Someone Well, that's in a the real thing because that's is... where the mail room people are. Okay, okay, but I have I have I have a conundrum for you. Answer me this, yeah. Corey. The mail yeah. the mail room is open, but the student uh-huh. center is closed. Ain't no one getting uh-huh. in, ain't no one getting out. But do you but know then... what the male people hear every morning as they're filling up 665B? Do you know what they hear? But it's not B. It's just 665 again. They hear gentle screams from the depths of hell. That's what they hear, Corey. 
Well, I'm glad at least the portal is small. <laughs> I feel like that has to limit <laughs> some of the damage. Because it's not even one of the big mailboxes. It's just one of the little ones. Yeah, this is a little guy. You can't even fit a package yeah. in there. Yeah, the second a package, <laughs> it, the second an envelope becomes a parcel, it can no longer go in that, in that The mailbox. second it's not a flat envelope, the second there's like two pieces of paper in it, they automatically made the call not to put it in the box. Because several times I went to, I got a slip in my mailbox that was like, you have a package to pick up, which is annoying. Yeah. Because then you can only go during the postal office's hours. Which is when the hours are never convenient. Is going in because it's the middle of lunchtime. Right. And everybody has a parcel always, is the way it seems. And so you have to walk into the phone booth that is the (laughs) mail room. And you walk in there and you stand there and you listen to the person ahead of you tell the postal worker all their problems. One time I was in there, no joke, some kid was telling. The postal worker, who is also a student because they are, everyone yes. who works on campus is a student. That was the big secret to me when I got there was I would talked to a bunch of people on the phone prior to going to school. And I thought all those people were real, like, adult people. And they were all students because later I became one of them. What? Uh, so that's a joke. Yeah. Like, several times I, like, called. work in the mail room? No, no, no. But, like, do you know when I used to, when you call the campus, you originally get directed to. The security shack. If the main, yeah, you get directed to the security shack. And so when I called and talked to those people prior to being a student, I thought they were, like, real adult employed people. But they're all students. Yeah, they're students who are maybe making seven fifty if they got lucky. And it's yeah, the depending end of on when they got hired shift, in the year. And you're calling them to complain about your about your ticket, and it's not even the right place to call. And they just want to go to bed, and they can't get off the phone with you without them reporting you. So they have to stay five minutes past their shift. Right. Well, and the worst is when the people who call, and I know I was one of these people before I was like an on-campus student, but the worst is when people call and their problem is not security related at all, but they get directed to the security guard shack. This is a tangent. And they want you they to get fix directed it for there them. because Yeah, they call and they're like, I have a problem with my account. <laughs> and you're like, you just have to say, you can leave a message for this other department. Yeah. Because I make seven fifty an hour and I cannot help you. I'm in a I'm in a twelve by twelve box. Corey, can I? And tell I've you been a here since ten p.m. yesterday. Corey, Corey, can I tell you a secret? Uh, can you tell our all our listeners the same secret? Yes, but you cannot tell head of security. Any He's of not you. even there anymore. Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Um, I was a security guard for two whole years and I never learned how to put anyone on hold. And so, <laughs> so if you hung up, people, up, hung up, if hung up call, on I would try so hard to like change their call and like send it on over. And I oh, hung no. up on so many people <laughs> and I never learned and I oh. still don't know. I don't know. People would call and I would just pray to the good lord that it was for me hello uh, uh hello and <laughs> if they, were like, you if could they help. were like faith i needed to call you to tell you to uh open the gate about this thing at this time i'd be like wonderful mm-hmm. and then i'd hang up and i'd be like phew you know, crisis averted <laughs> i got phone calls that left me with more questions than answers Oh, no. And this is where people assume the person in the guard shack is the person who can actually help them. And the answer we, is we, we can't. Are, 
And our qualifications are basically we're qualified to call the police and that's it. Like that's yeah, it. We, we can't we're we not allowed to confront people. Carry, like, we have no weapons. Or pepper spray. Nothing. And the way I got around that was I carried a scary uh, flashlight because <laughs> my dad I said you're not spray. wandering around. Why lie? I don't work nothing. there anymore. Um, I had yeah. to I had to go tell off angry college boys that they weren't allowed to like stay in stay in the classrooms at like three in the morning, and they were like, "You can't do anything yeah. about it." And I was like, "You're right. Please go." And they were like, "No." And and then you just had to stand there in your little, yeah, we in your had... little extra large security vest and say, "But I sure or would like, like jacket for you that's too. falling apart." Yeah. Also, uh, bump we had security. the most generic uniforms. <laughs> security was like everyone is a men's double XL, and if you or a, a or XL, a child's extra small. Yes. Because there was one jacket that fit one person, and it was it was a youth small, Ugh. I think. And then there were four jackets, four security jackets that were, yeah, men's double <laughs> they extra were, large. They were like, could you and then get us something the, the smaller, only, please? And they're like, here, the go only fetch. <laughs> the only medium or large had holes in the pockets. So if you put anything in them, they would immediately fall out. Oh, yeah. Many, many a walkie-talkie um, did not survive. But I, oh, I never carried walkie-talkies with me. I always forgot. To take a walkie-talkie because it was so much more convenient to have the other person in the shack just text you instead of but then you can... hello hello <laughs> because it t- the walkie-talkies were so big and so inconvenient and you already have like the jailer's keys from the parts of the caribbean <laughs> you franchise you had to and memorize you're... like 75 key numbers oh there were so many key numbers and the it was actual <laughs> addresses of buildings but yes, five, because five, six, heaven seven, forbid, maybe, something, 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 Tim's Hall. Was heaven forbid whatever. we refer to any of the buildings by their Colloquial names. names. We could only refer to them by their addresses, yeah. which is fine. Five, five, six, and it, That's it. Five, five, six, <laughs> But anyway, I started all this to say I never got a normal phone call. I always got weird phone calls where I'm the only person in the shack because I worked weekends. Yeah. And so I was the only person there. And the phone rings and I picked it up and you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> I answer. <laughs> And the person on the other end goes, well, I say, hi, this is Tacoa Falls Campus Security. Uh, how may I help you? And they say, this is 911. No. <laughs> and I immediately <laughs> felt <laughs> underqualified because I I was not trained for this. It's and like also, I was trained to call 911. <laughs> Right, like nine one one calls go one direction. Yeah, like, the person in need calls nine one one. Nine one one does not call you. No. Uh, but they called and I answered. I got that situation resolved. But then another time, oh. <laughs> another time, I answered the phone, and it was the athletic director at the time. I think because I'm like, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. And he says, Hi, I'm so and so. I'm the athletic director. I'm not athletic, so I don't know who he was. <laughs> And he, he goes, uh, there's a man with a machete (laughs) walking down the sidewalk between the gym and the whatever. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm 100% sure it was just an MK, but, uh, (laughs) like, I bet you I could tell you the non-Christian private school attendees. And I bet you a hundred dollars I could tell you who this person was, but I won't call them out like that. But, you know, I bet I know who it is, too. 
Yes. Actually. Yes, we can we can confirm after the podcast recording. And then I one time got a call from the the gift shop on campus because there's a gift shop or or bookstore depending on how you want to call it on campus because our campus had still has I say it like it's in the past <laughs> our campus has this massive waterfall and so it's it's a public attraction yes so it brings in all sorts which is its own set of conundrums and I get a call from the bookstore and everybody has to pass through the bookstore to get to the falls and the bookstore student because it's also just run by a student says hey there's a witch at the falls <laughs> which is only a problem at a private christian university that is I don't like know, i feel like it could it could be a problem uh, other places it is, it is but it would not be passed on to like security boomers from the deep south <laughs> but they said this woman was at the falls in a long red flowy dress uh reading tarot cards and trying to solicit business basically oh no she chose the wrong place she chose the wrong place we don't have 666 Um, we don't we don't subscribe to your cursed messages here no No, thank you the lord and that's it and so we i go down there there's only one way in and out of the falls because it's in like a valley and there's a river that runs alongside it and so you'd have to be you have to be pretty adventurous to cross the river and the gate is closed so the only way in and out is through the bookstore because it's in this deep valley you'd have to be prepared for mountainous terrain to escape this place it's a dead end so I go through the bookstore. I'm like, she hasn't come. She hasn't come back. And they're like, no, she's still out there. And so I go out there, and there's like nobody there. Oh no, there's nobody there. Nobody there, and there's nowhere to hide. Corey, where did she go? I don't know. Into the mist, into the water. She changed her clothes hey, behind a rock hey, and hey, like Corey. left as somebody else. Corey, Corey, I, have, I yeah. know what happened. I know what happened. What? Corey, she crawled out of the mailbox and crawled back in. It's the mm-hmm. only solution. You, is you the have only created solution. a world where where nothing dark can enter except for except for the through mailbox. Through this one the cursed, cursed mailbox. <laughs> and she has entered through it. She has found her way to the falls, which is like the other portal. Um, because that's mm-hmm. why no one's really allowed to swim in it. And, yeah. and she just dipped her way back in. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. <laughs> uh, I'll go with that story. So I don't know if that answered what was going to be your original question, but I think we answered and raised a few other questions. Yeah, and so yeah, we'll save we'll save the other one for next time. You know, yeah. And you know, people being accused of being a witch, uh, is a good intro into the story you want to tell us about, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of is. Kind of. <laughs> well, there's there's at least one scene in the book where a main character is accused of being a witch, but not in a serious way. It's in a, it's in a friendly, flirty way. A playful way. Uh, I would say a it's a serious way. and kind of, kind of aggressive way, but in like a, I'm the main <laughs> character and I can be aggressive in a lovable way. Right. In a, in a 18th century or 19th century, technically, yeah, fall uh, in love with me, this grunt. is how flirting is done. It's a little bit aggressive, maybe a real threat, maybe, <laughs> haha, I'm just like joking for fun and We're you should fall joshing. in love with me. Yeah, but yeah. Um, so 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 what are what is the story? 
we we are discussing, as you can clearly tell by the first 23 minutes of our podcast. Yeah, whoops there. Um, My bad. N- no, no, I I very much enjoyed uh, enjoyed your bad. So don't you worry, Corey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks. We, we, we talked about Jane Eyre today. The, mm. the true, true story of a girl who uh, had a miserable life. And the true fictional story about a girl who had a miserable life. The true fictional story. Um, although uh, this is off on topic, but the author mm-hmm. Emily Bronte. <laughs> Definitely a Bronte. A Bronte. I could have told you if you hadn't asked me. I just read this book. <laughs> well, um, she had a miserable experience with a boarding school, like we will soon find out about our main character. And she wrote this book. We, as we a picked way we to picked the wrong them. Bronte. We picked the wrong Bronte. There's only a couple. I really had a really There's high percentage. There's three of them. You had a 33 percent chance. And I was of wrong. Getting it. Yeah, it's Charlotte. Charlotte it's Charlotte Bronte. Bronte. That's okay. I'll cut out that part where we uh, get it wrong. Yeah, it's always been Charlotte Bronte. Ha ha. Who knew? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> not sus. So. That is a little bit true because she did actually write the story as a way to oust, um, like the horrific happenings at boarding schools, and because mm-hmm. of her novel, they started investigating and creating standards of care for kids, and things got better. That's so, good. We love we love a better ending. Yeah. Um. So that is a better ending. I can tell you mm-hmm. a little bit about this one, so we can get to the next one, or get to the yeah. next better ending. Yeah, sum it up. Sum it up for me. I read this book and I said, huh. And then I read it again seven years later in college. And I said, do you know what? I still don't, I still don't love it. I don't, I don't love it. I feel like it's, it's like a spiritual precursor to Twilight. Uh, I will say main character, main love interest, very similar. But yeah, but all, and um, even all the all the mystery and the angst—it's so angsty. It is very angsty. There's lots of moors. There's lots of ghostly things. There's lots of like maybe she passes out because she's scared. Maybe she's envisioning a real ghost. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Ha. Yes. But but to start to start us off, um, Jane mm-hmm. Eyre. It's a book about a little girl who is orphaned and has to live with her aunt and her terrible, terrible cousins. Her terrible, terrible cousins. Yeah, who they're are real bad. super abusive and who hit her all the time and are actually terrible to her. And at one point, she is hiding behind a curtain, minding her own business, when her older male cousin comes and just starts beating her up and being real rude. So she does a little defense, just a little defending herself. I think she hits him with a book. Can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. However, she That's does fun. get punished. She gets sent to this yeah. room that is her dead great uncle's question mark. Yeah, it is. And gets super scared. They lock her in there all night long. And she has a vision slash is actually visited by the ghost of her great uncle. Up to interpretation. Yes. Yeah. Um, passes out, and a doctor is sent for who is pretty kind to her and suggests in some way or another that she gets sent to a boarding school where she'll be taken right. care of and treated well. 
hopefully. But I yeah. think she suggested in a way of like, this will get her out of your hair. Ha ha. But also he's being kind to her. It'll get her out of their clutches. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So she actually pretty quickly ends up at this boarding school that turns out to be just as wretched as the um, as the house before. Yeah. Um, I would even argue it's worse. I would say in some ways. She goes to this boarding school. It's more physically abusive. Yes. Where basically piety and poverty are valued above all. She... Well, and piety, I think, is confused with suffering. Yes. It's a very, very, like, strict, miserable place where the only way that you can make Mm -hmm. it to heaven, according to this headmaster, is through a life of just grueling hard work and misery well for them because yes. they're poor lowly like friendless familyless girls yes at one that's point, their only way through at one point one of the girls has her hair down i think she's getting painted and mm-hmm. he makes all the other girls and her get their head shaved or at least her mm-hmm yeah yeah he's really not cool not a nice not a nice guy also is everyone there mean uh most of the teachers i guess like the ladies maids or whatever you want to call them most of the people who are overseeing them i would say are not nice as well but you do have some shining lights that Mm -hmm. kind of speak to her and are very very kind she also very quickly meets a girl named helen burns um mm-hmm. which this is the part of the story that just gets me because up until this mm-hmm. point jane is very feisty she's like you can't treat me that way and i'll tell you not to and maybe i'll hit you in the head with a book right. and even if i get punished it was worth it because you were being cruel and she right meets this she girl. stands up for herself and... yes she meets this girl helen burns who is objectively pretty miserable she gets mm-hmm. beat by the teachers a lot for doing things incorrectly or being sloppy. But overall, she's a really, really just, like, quiet, well-mannered girl. Um, and sweet. She's uh, She shares her food with Jane, I think, when Jane is punished by having her meals taken away. Yeah. she's She's a very, very good friend. However... She has a very martyr-like attitude that I think is pretty welcomed in, like, the 19th century when this is written. Like, this is the ideal for, like, a Christian Mm -hmm. woman to be. So, pretty early on, Jane is telling her about the terrible life she's had, and Helen basically says, well, that's your lot in life, and you have to have a good attitude about it, because there's nothing better to do, and it's what you deserve. Not, maybe not what you deserve, but at least it's what's happening and you should make the best of it right. and not complain. Because complaining is bad. So right. pretty quickly Jane starts to kind of I think I think I would call it like sandpapering her personality. She's smoothing right. it out. I think in some ways for the best, but in other ways she's kind of kneeling to her abusers. 
Right. Well, and some of it is just in such a terrible environment, I'm sure you just put your head down and get through it. Sure. And I do think that that does benefit her, this friendship overall benefits her mm-hmm. um however well, because i think prior to that jane is jane is spirited but jane also can't look beyond herself at all true not that she's had like a great opportunity to ever because she's a small child and mm-hmm. she's been orphaned and then living with her aunt and uncle and her aunt's terrible and all that mm-hmm. but she also she's so closed in and since we get the story from her perspective it's clear early on that she, I think if she had stayed that person, she wouldn't have grown out and like done other things because yes. she's so inwardly focused. Yeah. So I think Helen Burns is a good influence in that way and does give Jane a spiritual guide. But no, I definitely think that just the gross suffering that happens to her definitely wears her down. Yes. And makes her more plain less interesting i i yes i would agree with that and i do i do think that there is character development in the sense of her becoming more mature throughout Mm -hmm. um it happens pretty quickly she kind of moves from this period of being in the school as a young girl um helen actually dies by her side as they're sleeping one night after an epidemic kind of hits their school Well, and the epidemic is winter. Like, winter comes and they know lots of the girls will die off because they're malnourished and have terrible living conditions. Well, she's sick. She's sick sick. Oh, yeah. She's sick the entire time. Right. But the sickness comes from winter is here, it's cold, and none of y'all have an immune system. Yeah. They're not warm. They're not safe. They don't have enough food. Right. They're... They don't have, like, basic necessities. No. So she she does die in a really traumatic way right by Jane's mm-hmm. side. And I think it's at that point that's kind of the catalyst for the future of the book. Um, yeah. Jane very quickly moves from being a little girl in a miserable condition to teaching for several years at the same school i think kind of improving the conditions as much as she can she had a teacher who was good and who wanted to help them so she tries to i think she befriends her she befriends the teacher and she tries to be that for other girls however that portion of her stay comes to an end pretty quickly in the book she is an adult at this point and she moves on to become a lady. A governess. Ha-ha. I keep thinking a governess. Made. She moves on. Yeah, to a governess, governess is like a live-in, live-in teacher. Yes. For one or a few students. But for like one family. Yes. So she, she gets a position as a governess for a little girl named Adele, which she readily accepts and kind of goes and stays there for a little while, gets to know the little girl, gets to know... Uh, I think, like, the lady of the house, but not really. Just, like, the head servant. The Grace housekeeper. Pool. No, no, no. Grace Poole's the bad one. Haha, uh-huh. oh no. Well, the uh, Mrs. Fairfax. The housekeeper Mrs. who's... Mrs. Fairfax. Yes. Yes. Mrs. Fairfax. She she just controls the estate and, like, takes care of it. Right. She's the housekeeper. She runs the house. Yes. So, 
she meets these people, befriends them, thinks it's a really, like, nice, welcoming little place, gets to know Adele, who she thinks is very sweet. It's a little bit odd. Uh, but, but Corey, Corey, you're spoiling it. it she, she's just, she's just gotten to know them. She doesn't, she doesn't, uh, she doesn't know anything's weird yet. Nothing strange has happened. She's just chilling. She just got there. She's having a cup of tea, getting to know the... She hasn't met her, like, her employer doesn't live there. Yeah, nothing's wrong here. Nothing's going on yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey, Corey, now There's definitely now not a suspicious employee. No, no, no. Uh, now, now Corey's suspicions have come, come to light very quickly as she starts Corey's suspicions, Jane Eyre's suspicions. Well, Corey, you, you had, you had mentioned Jane Eyre's suspicions. Ah, okay, okay. Um, she starts to hear some really negative things about this one woman whose name is Grace Poole. Um, yeah. They're like, Grace Poole just makes noises in the night. She kind of wanders around gets drunk a lot don't worry about don't, it don't you worry about her if you hear anything if you hear like wailing thumping screaming don't you worry she's she's just she's just a little a little weird and jane mm-hmm. for the most part kind of accepts this answer uh in the beginning right. at least she's like that's weird she's why just don't you ex- just fire her and they're like Shh, no 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 and she's like okay. yeah don't worry <laughs> about it <laughs> And then she goes on a walk. Yeah, she, she sure does. She goes on goes on a little a little jaunt by herself, uh, where mm-hmm. it begins to rain, thunderstorm pretty hard. Uh, yeah, it's rainy, misty, hard to see. Yeah, over the moors, the misty moors. Um, and she runs into a dude on a horse. Never met him in her life. No, but she sure did scare that horse. She she sure did scare that horse, Corey. Corey, you want to tell this part? Sure. Uh, this is the part of the book that stands out the most to me. Uh, she's just out for a walk because she's got to get out of that house sometimes because they live in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And she's walking and this man on a horse kind of rides up on her because he couldn't see. And his horse gets spooked and throws him and he's injured. And she kind of freezes and doesn't know what to do. And the horse kind of stands off to the side, kind of upset. Mm-hmm. And there's a dog around also, some kind of big mastiffy dog. Sure. And the man calls her a witch uh, to hearken back to earlier in the podcast. He calls her a witch. He's like, you've, you've bewitched my horse. You, you sprite, you ghoul. He always calls her these unearthly, magically things. Yes, it's Elf, a very sprite, spooky, ghoul. spooky book. She's a witch. Yeah. Bye. Witch, <laughs> spirit, yeah. But he, and he's the one who's kind of, it's in jest, but also he kind of means it. Yeah. And he's, so. He's a little gruff. Yeah. And so he, he gets her to help him up and then he sends her to get the horse that she's scared of and walk it back to him. And then he rides off, and she continues her walk, and eventually she ends up back at the house. And later, uh, she walks into the living room, and she recognizes his dog, and then she recognizes him, and she's like, huh? And he (laughs) knew the whole time that she's the governess, but she did not realize that he's the master of the house. Yeah, to her displeasure, very much so. 
Yeah, she's not none too pleased. Yeah, partly I think because she's embarrassed um, that her new boss, but partly because I think she's very flustered from this encounter and the fact that she's not able to just say goodbye and, like, brush it off. Right, right. So she meets him and you find out pretty quickly that he doesn't really claim this daughter that is absolutely 100% his. And kind of just brushes her off, isn't really nice to her. And Jane is very, very kind and loves on this little girl so, so much. Um, Mm -hmm. The Rochester, her That's the name of her employer. Rochester, her employer, he is very distant. He kind of goes off traveling quite a bit. Um, And eventually he starts bringing home all of these, like, guests that come stay with them for like months and months on end other rich people yes one one so beautiful and stark guest is a woman named what's her name i guess it doesn't matter i don't know it's not important um she's just she's beautiful beautiful and and she right and she comes from a pretty well-to-do family, but she doesn't have a lot of money to her own name. So she's got her sights set on Rochester because Mr. Rochester is rich, rich. Yes. Like, this and is his is second home. He's got another girl, house he likes better. Making, her, making yeah. her feel real nice. Jane Jane is pretty jealous, but also mm-hmm. is very, Immediately. very aware. Immediately jealous. Yes. <laughs> she's very aware of the fact that she is plain. Um, she doesn't see herself as interesting and... She really kind of sees herself as, like, a wallflower in this scenario. Right. Well, and she occupies that awkward position that historically governesses did occupy where people who were governesses, women who were governesses, were well-bred. Like, they came from good families, but they themselves were usually impoverished or their families had kind of sent them off to kind of hope they met other men and got married. Mm -hmm. But they... They're not, they're not a part of the working class that works all the other jobs in a big estate because they don't mm-hmm. do manual labor and they live in real quarters in the house. They don't live in yes. servant quarters typically. However, they but are they still also, getting paid and so they don't get to be right. like guest status. Right. So there's always this awkwardness of... She's invited to dinner, but she doesn't feel super welcome. And she doesn't fit in because she dresses like a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so she's very plain, very kind of severely dressed. Yes. Um, And so she stands out and feels kind of awkward. And other people feel awkward around her. But Rochester insists that she attend all these gatherings. Yes. To To her displeasure, to his amusement, I think, He, at one point, shows up to one of these gatherings. Like, he hasn't shown up. Everyone is just waiting for him. Uh, They're serving dinner. They're just kind of hanging around. And someone comes to the door, and it's a gypsy, question mark? Yeah, old gypsy woman. Old gypsy woman, (laughs) let me tell you your fortunes. He, he, he. And Mm -hmm. Rochester is nowhere to be seen, but this old gypsy woman sure gets comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, um, and they sure do let her in and just let her tell their fortunes. Yep, yep, yep. So that's a really random occurrence, but I guess it kind of shows his personality of being, like, right. not so stark 
and having a sense of humor. Uh, Jane is the one who actually finds him out, and I think it's through a series of, like, Sherlocky, like, ah, your hand looks this certain way, and you knew where the, uh, coffee mugs were, I don't know. Yeah, like, or Little Red Riding Hood-ish. Yeah, yeah. Hey, gypsy woman, your hands are quite large <laughs> for being a little uh, gypsy woman. Yeah, <laughs> so she finds him out. Um, they continue to have these back and forths of, like, her attending these parties, him flirting with this other girl, and not showing much interest in her, aside from, like, making her continue to attend. Um, and right. then he proposes to her in a fit of love. Yes. And that's... And he reveals that he's madly in love, and she is too. Like, she, she's realized before this yeah. that she loves well, him. Well, you also get to see her perspective the whole time, which might not be fair to him. We say that this happened all of a sudden, but... Perhaps his mind has been going this way for a while. Well, I think it has to have been. And I think, at least the way I interpret it is, he invites that other girl to flirt with her to see if Jane really likes him. Mm. Uh, and it really, it he can tell. Because Jane, while Jane is compliant on the outside, mm-hmm. she is, like, standing up on the inside. She's makes all sorts of thinly veiled unhappy comments yes. or snide remarks or... She's super blunt, so people might make a comment about how she dresses, and she'll come back with some kind of cutting Mm -hmm. remark um, about her circumstances or something. So she's not, she doesn't just take things demurely. Sure. She also kind of fights back. Yeah. Um, And then they're engaged. (laughs) And then they're engaged, and uh, Jane, like all brides, is filled with a sudden sense of impending doom and dread uh yeah she starts having dreams about crying babies yeah um which in- their engagement is not a happy time in a lot of ways no uh the crying baby thing comes back and forth several times throughout the series as a form mm-hmm. of foreshadowing um and in the form of an old wives tale that you are going to have certain bad luck or like catastrophic events mm. if you have a baby crying in a dream um so she does experience this and along with she keeps grace, feeling grace pool quotation mark quotation mark right grace pool does weird stuff stuff until uh she has a dream that a that a hag like a ugly woman is wearing her wedding dress quote unquote quote unquote dream um, until yes. she realizes it is a real woman and maybe it's Grace Poole just being a goof. <laughs> yeah, that's what she's supposed to believe is it's just Grace Poole. Yes, so that happens. Um, and this whole time she feels certain that the wedding won't happen. Yeah, she she has a very keen sense of something is not right yeah. and doesn't really do anything about it. However, she does start questioning more and more about Grace Poole. Um, and then her bed is on fire. No, his bed is on fire. Rochester's right. bed she wakes is up on fire in the and middle smells of the night. smoke. Yeah. Um, so she goes to put the fire out, saves him, um, and he's like Must have been, must have been silly Grace old Poole. Grace Pool. Still not gonna fire her though. Don't keep asking me about that. Yeah. Um, and also we gotta get married quick. <laughs> yeah, so then he kind of rushes into this, don't worry about it, it's fine, all all is well. And wedding day comes, all their friends and family kind of come. Mostly just a lot of other people no, that just they... servants. Servants come. Nobody else. What? It's just the servants come. I thought it was all the friends that had been staying with them. 
Uh, those people have been gone. Oh. They left oh. after he stopped fake courting that woman. And that's fair. He was leading her on. I'm yeah, sure she didn't no, want he wants wedding. as f- he wants as few a witnesses as possible. So, so, so he only a few of them into, go into the wedding. Uh, the wedding, and he's trying comes. to hurry them through the vows. Yes, until someone stands up in the wedding and says, "You cannot marry this woman, right? Because you're already married." <laughs> and then the wedding is over. Yeah, that's the end. And everybody, he. No, everyone goes to his home. Every single witness, every, like the the person who is gonna conduct the marriage. Oh yeah, because then he follows shows him all back his to his house. Crazy, crazy, yeah. mentally something, something, something wrong. Yes. Basically, he was like, "You have mental illness, and you are going to be locked in the attic from now on." And Grace Poole is gonna take your slack. And that's yeah, and that's it. his wife. She looks like an. She's described as like looking like an animal. She's feral. And that is that is he the best explains, way to explain it. Yeah. He explains how he was tricked into marrying her when he was young and in need of money. And so her family just needed to get her married off in order to maintain their respectability. And they knew that insanity ran in their family and they did not tell him and he only met her the day they got married. Yeah, and she was like thickly veiled and yeah. It was very and he like, said she was fine until she she was fine until she picked up a drinking habit and then her insanity came out. Oh. Well. Yeah. Um she is So the wedding doesn't happen. She is goners. Jane says no thank you. I will mm-hmm. not carry on. And she leaves. She leaves and she goes on a quest to I don't know. I think she's really poor for a little while. Right. She, like, doesn't have a plan. She just basically walks off. Yeah. She and goes wanders and around until she, I think she then... faints of hunger. Yes. And she faints of hunger outside of these people's houses, who she happens to accidentally be related to. Yeah, their cousins. They discover. They're cousins. And it's, they're the St. John Rivers. Or St. John Rivers is the... They're the Rivers family. It's two sisters and a brother. Yes. And the sisters are so sweet. And Jane loves them. And they're great. And they set up their little cabin. And they have such a good time. And she doesn't tell and them who brother, she is. Yeah. She doesn't tell them who she is for a long time. And their brother is a... He's a jerk. He's got this single-minded focus on becoming a missionary. Not to help other people, really. No. But to gain glory for himself. Yes, and he wants to and marry he, Jane. <laughs> yeah, he wants Jane to marry him. Not because he loves her or because he thinks it would be good for her, but because he thinks she's like... A plain, pious he thinks woman she, that could be a plain, right, pious wife. Right, and so he starts trying to redirect her studies and trying to shape her into being the perfect wife for him. And she's like, I'll go with you as your sister. Yeah. But I don't want to marry you because you don't love me and I don't love you. Yep. And he's like, but we can't go as brother and sister. It's just not done. Yes. And so they, yeah, he pressures her. But then. But then. But then. They have an uncle who passes away who's rich. Yes. And she comes into substantial wealth. Right, because Jane is the real heir to the money. Yeah, so she she comes into this money, and I think all of them are pretty, like, welcoming about it. They aren't angry or anything. They just let her have it. Right, um, but she divides it equally with them of her own accord. Oh, interesting. See, the mm-hmm. more you know. 
<laughs> um, she then goes back. I think she has another dream of a crying baby, and she starts. No, oh, she, she has a dream. Hearing Rochester. Ugh, right, ghosts. she doesn't dream of more a baby. Ghosts. She's she's fully awake, she and she hears Rochester. Because she thinks something bad is happening, and then she hears Rochester in the night. She's awake. It's like daytime. Well, she hears him, and she hears Rochester call her call her name, just Jane, and then she immediately says, "I have to go to him." Yes, and she does, and she finds out. That there really has been, like, this massive fire that destroyed his house. And he is now blinded and just a wretched man in search Well, he's blind and one of his arms is shriveled from the fire. Because he tried to save his crazy wife, who's the one who set the house on fire. Yeah, I think she dies, though. Yeah, she jumped... When he goes to save her, she jumps off the top of the burning house. Well, he shouldn't have locked her up, but oh well. Yeah. Um, so, so she goes to him and they get married. And that's the end of the book. It's really quick. Yeah, uh, they live in this new place called, like, Ferndale or Fern something. Something. And it's a smaller estate because he has four or five... Yeah, and also um, now she, and they live this she happy, has money. simple. She has money, place. so she gets to be like an equal yeah. status to him, and is no longer feeling yes. like he is going to rule over her. Right. Which the nice thing about him is he never he gets a little imperious with her, but really he always asserts that they're equals. I think it's which her. Is nice. I it's think a it's nice her change. problem that she feels like he is higher up than her. Yeah, always. I think she yes, feels I think it's better hers. when she has the money that she can then say, okay, we really are, like, equal status. Right. And she really likes that she has something to offer to help him once he's injured. Mm-hmm. But then they have a baby, and after the baby is born, he starts to regain his sight. Rochester does. Yes. And he can see the baby, and then it's, like, happily ever after. Yep, the end. It's, yeah, it's 250-something pages of sadness and then a happy ending. A happy, very, like, rushed ending. And you don't get to see her happy ending life. You just hear no. about it. And, and so much of the time is spent with the rivers, where I feel like Jane really regresses as a character. Yes. That I feel like you could cut most of the whole rivers thing out yeah she goes on wondering um it mentions (coughs) that she stays in a christian household for a while um and then she comes Mm -hmm. into a big inheritance oh we have 75 pages to spare what shall we spend them on maybe building up a realistic love story between you and rochester and explaining how you got married and went and had like a sweet little baby and lived your happy life. Yes, that and that uncle who leaves her all that money because he dies. Uh, he comes out of less like left field, and I think he could be put to better use because he's also the reason her wedding doesn't happen. Because she she receives some kind of letter from a solicitor mm-hmm. right before her wedding, finding out that her uncle is looking for her. Mm-hmm. And she writes back and informs the solicitor that she's getting married and all this stuff. And the uncle and the solicitor do the research into Rochester and find out that he's already married and contact the brother of Rochester's crazy wife, who's the guy who shows up, who interrupts the wedding. Oh. 
But then we don't hear from the uncle again. Yes. Until he's dead. Because Jane just takes off. Until he's dead. And then Jane hears about him again when she lives with the Rivers. And they mention that their uncle has died. And they're looking for Jane Eyre. Because Jane Eyre will be the heir. Yes. And they accidentally find it out because she writes her name on the corner of a painting that she does. And that's super random. And why is she lying about it in the first place? Well, and then you find out when she accepts her inheritance, the solicitor tells her that her whole life, ever since she was orphaned, this uncle from her mom's side of the family has been looking for her. Yeah. And he wanted to raise her and take care of her. And he couldn't find her because she got bounced around from, like, the aunt who was terrible to her and the cousins Mm -hmm. to the boarding school and then to the super random job out in the middle of nowhere with Rochester and then ran away. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be great if the uncle in the rewrite that we're doing played some bigger role if she had because that always broke my heart thinking about like this guy he was looking for her yeah so what if we uh pull it pull a cheesy little stunt here (laughs) uh what if what if we play play author god and um let him find her immediately and she can still have character development hey hey hey. she's still gonna she's still gonna have some bad stuff happen don't you worry don't you worry Corey. because maybe he finds her immediately at the school like she but then she'd never go to rochester because she wouldn't have to get a job oh Corey. okay this is why okay so how much of the key part of the story are we willing to change Right, right. Where do we want to start? That's what, from where on do we want to make major changes that rewrite the course of the story? Well, I sure would like for him to find her sooner. Um, I was thinking I would like for him to find her instead of the rivers. Oh. But like cut out the middleman right entirely. away. Do we want to keep him alive? But then she won't get an we inheritance. We can keep him alive, right? I mean, we can do whatever we want. We're making things up. This is yeah. our story now. Goodbye, Charlotte Bronte. Because I'm thinking, what if he comes to the wedding instead of sending... Because the only reason he didn't go was because he was sickly. What if he goes to the wedding and interrupts it? And so then, instead of wandering off and like passing out next to a random house that happens to belong to her cousin, sure. he takes her off and treats her nice and she has a good time <laughs> they travel for a while yeah she gets, she gets to, to go like, to europe she gets to experience the rest of europe thing. she has a very like anne of green gables like college experience yeah. um, and maybe i'm gonna go out on a limb i don't care for rochester not one bit and i don't think that she has to marry him but you can go against me I think we need to see more of Rochester's development because basically it's like he gets hurt and then he's repentant and also he's conveniently single. Yeah. So maybe we make but him I think, nicer throughout. Like maybe right. he is a little bit more infatuated with her. He starts to build a relationship Pursues with her. Pursues her a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, he's not Instead so of just sketchy. kind of teases her. Right. So... And maybe he hints early on that he has a secret he needs to share with her. Like, he intends to tell her instead of just this yeah, cloak and like, dagger. He's, like, having dinner with her, and he's, like, leaning in. 
hey, I need to tell you something about Grace Poole. And then they're like, dinner is served. And he's like, just a minute. Yeah. And then he keeps, keeps getting cut off. And then he <laughs> makes it to the wedding day. And they're like, do you, Rochester? And he's like, hey, hey, Jane, I need mm-hmm. to tell you something. And they're like, take Jane. And he's like, you know about Grace Poole? She's actually, uh, she's a real nice lady, but I, and they're like, no, stop the wedding. And she's like, why didn't you tell mm-hmm. me? And he's like, I've been trying to tell you this entire yeah. time. Yeah, add a little bit of that rom-com yeah. uh, flavor. Yeah. Yeah. Will, no, I think that I'll wouldn't be a bad idea, because I think that would make Rochester more likable. Sure. He's, like, the, he's the big things I like about guy. Rochester. Just trying to, just yeah. trying to do the right thing. Yeah, the big things I like about Rochester is that he... He views Jane as an equal, so keep that. Sure, but make him a little less. Yeah, like make him really show that instead of just saying it a few times, and have him actually include her, pay her better, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) maybe not antagonistically flirt with her, but just maybe they have this sweet friendship. I'm always sure. big on friend friends to friends to dating, um, <laughs> friends to courting, friends to betrothed. yeah friends friends to betrothed. That's my favorite path, and they have a little bit of that in the actual book. But it would be nice to expand upon that, like sure. show them having these nice times together. Yeah, um, show a little bit more romance and not so much. Yeah, uh, him flirting him with flirting other with other women, other women. And proposing yep. to her and claiming he's always loved her. Why didn't you know? Of course, I've always loved you, silly girl. Yeah, I think that would be good. Cut that out. Cut that out. Cut the rivers out. Yeah. Bring in the uncle. Yeah. Give Jane a taste of the good life. And that also puts her on even better equal footing with Rochester because he's he's obscenely wealthy. And she would have been if she hadn't split her inheritance with the other cousins. She still gets some good money. Maybe she gets to be obscenely wealthy because she doesn't have the cousins (laughs) to take all of her money from her uh, willingly or or otherwise. Right. And I think the uncle should live. And so then when she hears Rochester's voice and she insists, like, I have to go back, the uncle goes back with her. Mm. And then they can set up and have one big, happy, like, extended family where it's her and the uncle and Rochester. He gives and... her away at the aisle. Yeah. And he lives and he gets to, like, hold the baby and all this, like, sweet things. And we see a little bit more into this happy life. They live at Fern Ferndale, I sure. want to say. I just want to keep calling it yeah. Fernbank, but that's another book. <laughs> it could that's a museum. Uh in Atlanta. No. It's a natural history Fernbank? museum. Fernbank? Fernbank. Yeah. Fernbank. It's Fern a, Gully. It's from, it's from Fern it's from Gully the is a books. The Midford books. Uh well Fernbank is a museum in Atlanta. Sure. I'm sure it is. I've actually been there. I don't know why I'm saying I'm sure it is. <laughs> I've been there. Gaslighting me. Uh, not intentionally. Just because I, yeah, uh, not intentionally, but yes. <laughs> um, I've been there. I watched uh, the thing about whales there. Nice. Yep. I've never been, but I do know it exists. Got, yeah. I so I think they have this rat. happy life. I think a major change I would make to the book is we need to see more of Rochester's point of view, not just Jane's point of view, mm-hmm. so that we can empathize and like him a little bit better. Well, and maybe, I don't know, I think we got to keep the crazy wife in the attic. 
Okay. Yeah, I think even that that's a really critical even though it's part. problematic it makes for good writing, at least. But you know what? What if the crazy wife he hasn't locked her up in the attic? But what if her family took her back, and they have her locked up somewhere? But why would they make her get married and then take her back? I thought the whole reason of her getting married was to get them off. Or get her. They wanted his money. They'd have his money. Ooh, okay. So they want. Well, the they money so they, they didn't. Also... They didn't. So the thing is, in the original, they don't want his money. They want his good name. Uh huh. But I think we can make it where we say he's always obscenely rich. This is another change we make. Okay. They want his money. They convince him to marry her because she's this great beauty or whatever. Mm-hmm. He marries her. It's revealed that she's been crazy all along. And then they say, we'll take her off your hands and we'll take care of her because we know how because it runs in the family. But you got to pay for her upkeep and also oh, anything we want. Oh, they're extorting him. They're blackmailing yeah. him. And I think, I think then we also say he and his wife never lived together. That makes things a little more equal between him and Jane. Maybe, because he hasn't locked up one wife. He's not like, and I'll do it again. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, and that makes him easier to forgive and root for when he and Jane get together if he hasn't locked his crazy wife up in the attic. It makes him more of a victim if sure. the family really swindles him and then immediately, like, pulls the rug out from under him. Sure. So maybe, maybe she doesn't die, but he's able to obtain, like, a legal divorce. Uh, yeah. I don't know how she would feel about marrying a divorced man, though. What do you think? I don't know. Jane doesn't seem to have st- strong feelings about it. So maybe he obtains a divorce and, like, settles his stuff with the family, and or then Or maybe she she's dies. still... Hey, hey, hey. Oh? Maybe, instead of getting a divorce, she still burns the house down. She just didn't live in the house. Like, she's been living in a village nearby, she and she escapes. She still burns house down? And, yeah. Does she still die in the fire? Yeah, I think she's gotta. She shows up, arsons his house, climbs up the railing while it's on fire, and just is like, ah, off the balcony. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Do you think we need to do something differently? I I mean, do I believe that this woman is capable of anything? Yes. Why? Because we're writing her to be capable of anything. And also, in the book, she is crazy and homicidal. She At every turn is trying to kill Rochester. Yeah. So... And her family don't sound that responsible, and also some of them are crazy. So maybe they get drunk one night... They After they're celebrating the, that his, like, wedding gets thwarted. Yeah. They're celebrating that his wedding doesn't go through, and they get a little drunk, and they, she escapes, and she has heard that he tried to get married, and she goes and burns his house down. Mm. Or maybe she just is like, take me back, baby, and she's trying to serenade him, so she climbs up, she climbs up this lattice with a candle, and she's like, uh-huh. la-dee-da, marry me, Rochester. And houses in the past were built literally out of the best material to make a fire with. Sure. So, I, so it, as it she's goes climbing up, like, up because like, she really is, like, not not all the way there, uh, she's climbing up with both hands, and one of the hands also is holding a lit candle. And or she has she the candle sideways in her mouth. Fire. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like that image. <laughs> yeah. She has a lit candle in her mouth as she's trying to, like, go make amends with this man that it's only met her one time in, like, a very, like, Right. Met her at her wedding. Way. Yeah. And then they were like, oops, actually, <laughs> actually uh, she's crazy. Um, yeah. And then. Ooh, what if at their wedding. She sets it on fire. What? I was the if we had a flashback to his original wedding to her, he like lifts up the veil and she's this like monstrously horrible person oh, no. who you see the crazy in her eyes and when he goes he's frightened mm-hmm. and she goes to kiss him, but actually she bites his face. Ooh. Oh no. And that's when it's like, oop, jig is up, she's crazy. They but oops, too late, her. can't take it back. They snatch yep. her. He said I do. They grab her and run, and they say, you owe us money, ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> and then they try to spend the rest of their lives happily with her locked in the attic at their house, until mm-hmm. one day she's like, gotta get the rest of that 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 good, good uh, uh, face biting, and goes back to his house with the candle. I still really like the idea of her having a candle in her mouth. <laughs> um, accidentally lights this balcony on fire, and then falls to her death. Which is very sad, because she, she's kind of also a victim of her family's explosion. Right, she's 100% a victim of her family, but the book isn't about her. Uh, but also, she did bite his face, and she's also escaped and trying to go attack him again. So, she's not victimless. Or, she, hmm? <laughs> she's not blameless. She's not in a, yeah, she's not blameless. No. She's victimful, if anything. Sure, she... She maybe, maybe is trying to win him over, but, like, probably is just as, just as easily trying to kill him. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and then she dies, and then, and then Jane, Jane comes back and they get married. Yeah, I think we still have that weird telepath- telepathic connection between Jane and Rochester. I, in the I like the ghosts in this book. I think there should be yeah. more ghosts in the book. Maybe she just has two helpful ghost uncles. Maybe the uncle isn't alive. She just meets a really powerful ghost. But she has to come wealth. <laughs> right. She meets the real uncle. But the other uncle from the first part of the story, who Definitely was kind to her before he he unfortunately died, I think he comes back and, and, ha- and haunts her with kindness. <laughs> okay. Uh, and... And they live happily ever after with her her living uncle, her ghost uncle, and her uh, maimed husband in their fern fern gully house <laughs> in the woods. Um, also, the wife comes back to haunt them for sure. Yeah, it's, it's it becomes a ghost book for sure. <laughs> he he wakes up in the middle of the night sometimes, clutching at his face, and he's like, ah, oh, oh, oh no, don't worry, sweetie, go back to sleep. And he just, like, slowly, slowly, like, still holding his face, like, falls back onto the pillow. And he's just like, stop. And she's like, never. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think we, you think that's the, we've come to the better ending? Uh, No, not at all. But I do think that we've come (laughs) to an ending. (laughs) Well, for the, for legal purposes. For legal purposes, we've come to to the better end. (laughs) Yeah, we've come to the better end. Thank you for sticking with us on this adventure that had many tangents and went off the rails too many times to count. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hope you had as much fun as we did. Yeah. P.S. This was our second time around, so 
Um, yeah. So we've been talking about Jane Eyre for like 70 hours. This episode is haunted. Yeah. yeah. This episode really didn't want to happen, but we have persevered and we got to get to the end of the podcast to make sure that it all gets published. Yes. So um, if you liked what you heard, you should leave us a review, follow us on wherever you're listening to this podcast. So subscribe, leave us a review. Please write us some happy words. It would make it would make us so happy. Absolutely. Also, if you have something that you just think irks you about an ending, um, we don't really care if it's a podcast or a... You probably don't rag on someone's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's a story-based Maybe. podcast. Then we could, we could kindly handle it with care. Kid um, gloves. Yeah. Uh, most, mostly though, let's keep it to some TV shows, movies, books, novels, novellas, um, short stories, poems, storybooks. narrative yeah, poems. Sure. We still can do the Edgar Allan Poe cast, but we can't claim it because someone else had it. Oops. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Untm. Send us your stuff. We, we want to and... review it and make an, a different ending. Yeah. We want to come up with better endings. And if you have a story that you've been writing and you're struggling with that ending or you'd like us to come up with a better one, yeah, you, you just trust can't, us. You finish scratching that good scratch. <laughs> you just got to get that last piece in, in, in place. I didn't know where you were going and I was no. scared. Do you know how sometimes you like start falling down the hill of your tongue and you're just like, la, la, la. <laughs> so. Your sentence really got away from you and I was scared. I felt like I was in, in, in like a giant tire rolling down that hill of a sentence. And I had no power or control. Sometimes but I if you've made it. And I have no idea where it'll go. Yeah. Quote Michael Scott. If you want to send us your weird icebreaker questions, stories whose endings bother you, or a story that you're trying to write and can't come up with a satisfying ending for, you can send those to us uh, at suggestions at to the better end.com. Also, we'd like to say thank you to our good, good friend, Josh, for our intro and outro music. Yes. The Way is Long and Weary, uh, an original mm. by him. Snap, snap. Uh, and that'll be all, folks. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.